This is Music Respawn. I'm Kate Remington with composer Lena Rain, and it's so great to have a chance to catch up with you. Yeah, likewise. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to be able to come on here and chat with you about music. Well, what's really great is I get a chance to talk with you about the music that you wrote for Harmony, The Fall of Reverie, and I've been waiting for this game for a long, long time. Um, Your music is absolutely incredible, and it really supports everything about the game. It's not like anything I've ever played before, and I would love to know how the developers at Don't Nod kind of reeled you in and piqued your interest (laughs) to write the music for it. Yeah, well, um, they definitely, they reached out uh, a while back now, I'd say, you know, um, sometime in 2020, um, and um, and pretty much purely off of uh, the releases I'd done before, but then also like my solo work. I just released uh, the album One Knowing, and um, they really loved uh, the sound and reached out to me to wonder if I'd be a part of a new project they were working on. And um, I, I've been a fan of Don't Nod for, for years, um, even, even before Life is Strange. Like I, I played their, one of their first games, Remember Me. Um, I, do, I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was such a cool, cool game because they worked with... Uh, um, Olivier de Rivière. Uh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, Olivier. yeah. Olivier. And uh, incredible dynamic soundtrack in that game and just really took me by surprise. Um, you know, has just the studio kind of emerging um, out of nowhere. And I was just like, wow, I got to keep my eye on them. So when <laughs> so when Life is Strange was, you know, starting to, to get buzz around that, I was like, oh, this is that studio that, that did Remember Me. And so, you know, I just I kept on following their stuff and I played the original Life is Strange. I played uh, Life is Strange 2, um, you know, and then just the narrative games that they are able to, to pull together are so inventive and uh, just really sort of pushing the, the envelope as far as, uh, as far as, you know, narrative uh, interaction in games. Um, so it was no surprise to me that they were doing something uh, very different and very interesting with, with Harmony. Yeah, the story of the game, I mean, really briefly, because it's, it's pretty complex, but just to kind of yeah. p- put it in a nutshell, um, Polly is returning to the, uh, the town where she grew up after a long, long, long abs- absence because her mother has been missing. Yeah. And she notices some real weirdnesses you know it's not the place she left in any way and in the midst of all of that then she discovers that she can kind of teleport or somehow transport to another dimension to this whole other world called reverie that has its own problems (laughs) and uh, (laughs) so and it's so interesting how the two worlds become interconnected and then she's also able to influence the future and so as you guys were in the early discussions uh you and the developers that don't nod i mean what kind of guidance did they give you for for how they wanted the music to sound um, it was definitely a pretty open collaboration from the get-go. Um, I worked with uh, the um, the audio director on the project, Yannick. Uh, it was just an incredible collaborator to work with. Um, he kind of set the stage of just like, we really love your sound. We want to, you know, we want to encourage you to do the kind of music that you like to write. Um, but then, you know, so we basically just collaborated and brainstormed on a whole lot of ideas of like, what is the sound? Of this game, what is the sound of brittle? What is the sound of reverie? These two, you know, sort of contrasting but complementary worlds. 
Um, and, and so I suggested the whole lot of like restrictions and sort of like themes that I had been, um, sort of coming up with to, to try and make a metaphor out of the music that I was writing. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I wrote a bunch of, because I was brought onto the project like really early. So I was able to essentially create concept music, <laughs> you know, you, and, uh, you know, you usually have like concept art and, and all this other stuff for, for the, for the game. But since we were, you know, in such an early stage of the, of the project, um, I, I was able to write these pieces of music that some of them went on to become tracks that I would use later on in the game. I would change them significantly, but they were kind of these little nuggets of music of like exploration being like, what what do we what do we hear in here? What do we want to use? You know all of that stuff. Um, so like the very first piece of music that I actually wrote for the game um, was the piece that eventually became the theme for Monoconcern, which is like the big megalithic corporation that sort of has its claws in the whole uh, island where uh, Polly lives. And um, that just kind of came with <laughs> came from me experimenting with sounds and with processing. Uh, synthesizers and and keyboards and stuff to really create this um you know kind of reminiscent of of like 80s synthesizer music but still with like modern production value essentially I did a lot of like digital emulation of old analog processing to really kind of drench it in this 
the sort of worn and and saturated sound to really kind of give it that um, organicness to it, <laughs> to lack that, of a better word. That that is so cool though, because yeah, as I was listening to the soundtrack, you know, on its own and then in the game too, there are really familiar synth sounds there, and mm -hmm. it's very cool that you were thinking about the way synth sounded in the '80s, because they really sort of lean into their synthy sound at that yeah. point. They're not trying to pretend to be anything else. I mean, they're, oh, yeah. they're just straight up synths. And so how did you narrow down your, well, let's call it a band, your band of um, <laughs> samples and synth sounds? Yeah, um, that was definitely, you know, a process of, of writing all of those like sort of concept pieces, but then also very specifically um, writing uh a couple of very important pieces. Um, one was sort of the main theme of the game, um, the sort of the main theme that we could revolve poly and harmony around, um, and then also creating all of the individual pieces for the aspirations. Um, and so, you know, for, for those that aren't familiar with the game, the the sort of spiritual world of, of harmony sort of revolves around these uh, six aspirations that uh, influence sort of the dreams of humanity. And so you have beings like bliss and power and chaos and bond, glory and... Power? Truth. Did you get, oh, truth, right. And power, yeah. <laughs> if I didn't say power, also power. Um, I think that's all six. Um, <laughs> and, and so each of them have like such a striking character design. They have such a striking voice. Um, of like how they sort of present themselves. And so I, I knew from the get-go that I needed to have a really strong musical vocabulary to associate with each aspiration. So a lot of the earlier pieces that I wrote were these themes for the aspirations. Um, so I could be like, okay, this is what bliss sounds like. This is what power sounds like. And taking elements from all of those themes and being able to distribute them across the soundtrack to really kind of infuse their essence into everything that happens in the entire game because that's that's the whole point is like it is it is you know everything that is reflected in the real world in brittle is influenced by these aspirations and so what better starting point than to come up with the building blocks of what makes them them and putting that in the rest of the score well, one of the things that really I struck me just like is the voice acting for mm. everybody. But yeah. you, you mentioned the the voices of the aspirations, and the those voice actors are absolutely incredible. And yeah. Bliss is the first one that uh, Polly Polly meets, and she is just so adorable. And maybe you could describe the aspects of her personality that you wanted to sort of explore with that music. Oh yeah, well, I mean, definitely early on, like all of the original like concept art and everything regarding Bliss was just that, you know, <laughs> she was still very much that character, you know, that sort of little bubbly, bubbly girl that kind of absorbs herself into escapism. And I thought that was a really interesting kind of like parallel there where, you know, she is about, you know, happiness and about self-care and indulgence and all this kind of stuff, but also kind of like at the cost of everything else. And so I really wanted to, to sort of, um, capture both of that, both of those sides of her, where you have all of these sort of like classic chiptune style, you know, synth sounds, you have larger synths, all this stuff kind of coming together with her. But then it's like this, this, this kind of 
almost too cheerful melody that just kind of keeps going. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing to really kind of, to, to play with that sense of blissful, but at what cost? So you kind of, you have those, um, those very specific, like, um, aspiration. I I, I keep wanting to use the word aspiration, (laughs) but it's also the name of the, (laughs) of of the characters. So the, the aspiration of the aspiration. Right. developers did such a great job creating the personalities and you know mm. playing on what what you would imagine they would be like because bond yeah. just is such a i don't know what it was about when he first appeared or when they first appeared but there was something kind of calming about it yeah and each of the aspirations you know they have their own sort of sanctuaries too that they go and the sanctuary is is also a reflection of their character as well so most of the times when i do actually we do actually get to play those themes for those characters like they are in their sanctuary so it very much is sort of a uh, an extension of of the character and for bond it was this really incredible just like mangrove forest of just this expansive expansive space but like the really interesting detail that i focused in on was it's this huge mangrove forest but there's also these like wires connecting everything like there's this kind of like almost technology that is sort of strewn about the forest and so they're there and and welcoming and inviting you into their very like cozy space but there's also this just expansive forest surrounding them and like with all of the wires and everything so it was kind of creating that jungle atmosphere um, using 
technology in a way of like I, I actually like recreated some like bird chirping sounds in the synths to kind of really get the sense of the hybrid nature of, of that space. have been such a fun project such a fun process to do to mm. really kind of get at the heart of, of what made each of them unique and then kind of reflect that in the music and I mean that's what you do all the time <laughs> that's your job yeah. <laughs> but um, you mentioned that you know you had about well th three years maybe not quite three years to do this so yeah. as the game was evolving did your idea of what the music would be like did that change at all too um i think that mostly in the sense of how it was presented in the game um because you know as we were going like obviously i was writing these concept pieces i was writing um you know stuff to put into the game as 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 we were developing it um but it wasn't really until we got the final structure in place that we really got a sense of like okay this is how we want to structure the music in the game um and we played with, with a lot of different approaches to it as we went because you know we're doing this very different kind of narrative game like you know you, you kind of have 
if you play a lot of, of narrative games, like you have sort of an idea of like, what is the sort of typical visual novel score, you know, and, you know, you play a, a visual novel and you, you are playing through and you, you know, it's a lot of music kind of starting and stopping for the most part, um, which is, you know, sort of calling back to the origins of, of these games and, and how they were developed on, you know, earlier hardware. But they've kind of maintained these conventions as they've been developed over the years. And so you have something like, say, the Phoenix Wright series or the Ace Attorney series. And, and it's, it's become part of the character of those games, how the music is presented. So you have, you know, a piece of music starts and you're like, oh, I know exactly what the gameplay is going to be doing now. You know, you get to, you know, an, a really important thing, a sound effect plays, the music stops and, you know, dramatic things happens and like the music becomes part of this character. And so I really wanted to investigate, like, how are we using music? Um, as a character <laughs> almost in, in, this, in this process. How is it complementing the gameplay? Because the way that the game is presented is not like you know, a, a typical visual novel. Like it is very much its own thing um, with the augural being the sort of like flow chart of how the story progresses. Um, you are less so you know, having choices on a conversational basis and more so on a grand planning structure so you know you're watching scenes play out but then when you make a choice you're sort of in this space where you're able to see the branches you're able to see the correlations of if i do this then maybe i won't have enough bliss crystals to get through this next threshold or something so you have kind of, you're kind of in this like planning mode <laughs> you know and and so it's like well this this presents a challenge because we can't just do music like every other game in the sort of like the the history of, of, of the kind of games that have built up to what we're making. You know, we really have to do something different. And so what I ended up settling on was a very elongated dynamic approach to, to music where a single piece of music could be playing for, you know, a whole stretch of, of, of time, you know, choices you're making progressing through the... Um, through through each of the chapters but as you're going based on you know where you are in the story where you what choices you've made the music is kind of shifting accordingly and so that was a real you know definitely definitely a real challenge to to figure out and to, and to get implemented but thankfully uh you know working with with yannick on the sound team of just you know the two of us really playing off each other super well and i would send him mock-ups of like what i was imagining for for a certain scene and sequence um, and how the, the, the different instrument parts would fade in and out or, or change arrangement entirely as you went. Um, and so it really became this much grander planning of, of larger scenes and how the music plays into those. Well, what's so cool about how you ended up implementing the music, you and the team, is that it really, it almost becomes like a film soundtrack as you're getting into the story and listening to the conversations that Polly has with, say, Laszlo, 
um, who's uh, married to Polly's mother, um, but also they're, has all they're of, together. I don't think they're, they're together, to, okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, part, partner. <laughs> it's a complicated uh, relationship. Yes, it is. <laughs> the game goes into much detail about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so in these conversations and the other conversations that Polly has and the other characters have, you've got this wonderful music bed of a soundtrack, and you did such a great job putting the stems or giving such a variety of stems for each of those scenes I, you, know, you can't hear the loops and you can't hear how, how it's repeating and stuff so even if it was a challenge i mean you totally rose to it it's, it's really really fantastic <laughs> well thank you that is that is definitely a sign of a job well done so i appreciate the i appreciate yeah. the feedback yeah, I, was, I was gonna i was gonna ask you about how yeah. you managed uh mm. the music for the augural because that is an area where players spend probably the most time because you have to make these decisions as you said and so what were some of the like specific challenges for that because it can can really take a long time as you're weighing the pros and cons of you know making a choice definitely out at the outset um there were a lot of challenges that i had where you know if if you are just writing sort of ambient background music and all of this music is playing across multiple scenes, it can really start to mess with your sense of time. Um, so one of the big challenges I had is like sometimes when I had one piece of music and it was you know playing across things, the scenes would sound they would feel like a montage rather than a sequence of chronological events, if that makes sense. And so and so we really spent a lot of time or I, I definitely spent a lot of time like playtesting um, after the music was implemented to be, you know, kind of a, 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 second, uh, a second pair of ears for myself uh, to, to play it in context and to really get a sense for how does the flow of the scene, you know, change as you are you know, listening to the music and all of that. And so there's some points where I was like, well, maybe we should actually cut out the music and just have no music for this section because it really needs to feel in the moment. Like it really needs to have this sense of, of chronological linearity <laughs> to it. And, 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 and choosing the, the, the times when we really wanted to, to have the continuity of the music that keeps playing between scenes versus when we want to stop the music and move on to sort of a new set of things or change the layer so that like maybe the percussion drops out so that you don't get a sense that you are sort of in this perpetual motion machine because that's what music does is is it creates this illusion of time um as you are playing through scenes where you know if things in the music are not changing then your perception of time is that it is you know, this sort of stream of consciousness, you know, but if the music changes, then you are like perceiving that as taking a breath, you know, of taking, taking a little break from the characters and moving on to something else. So there was a lot of that sort of thought and, and, and feeling out how a scene might be, you know, uh, perceived with the music um, as it was implemented.
it's interesting how you had to create kind of a second set of music for Polly's like real world where where her right. friends are and all of that. So what were some of the the aspects of Atina, the the island where she lives that you wanted mm. to kind of amplify with with the music or support, I guess. Yeah, it I from the very beginning I definitely wanted to set up some like soft rules for myself where most of most of reverie is all synths like all just sort of that synthesized sound um and if there were like real instruments they were either like uh like a, a synthesized piano sound or or a other synthesized sound trying to sound like another instrument um and then similarly in in uh, brittle which is the real world i wanted to emphasize real like live instruments as much as i could um, whether it was, you know, just like real piano or real violin or any of these sort of, you know, <laughs> easy, easier to find sounds that, you know, that I could record, you know, guitar in the case of, you know, one of the themes, um, to really kind of differentiate the two, but there's a lot of crossover, <laughs> which is something that I, I discovered as, as I was, you know, writing the score is that like, I couldn't hold myself specifically to those rules because of just how much intermingling there is between Reverie and Brittle. And so, for example, one of the characters, Chaos, who's a favorite of mine, I absolutely love Chaos, um, their theme specifically involves both an electric ba electric bass, like an actual you know played electric bass, and a synth electric electronic bass. <laughs> so they have both of those things, because I won't spoil it for the story, but Chaos has a lot more uh, intermingling with, with Brittle than the other aspirations. Um, <laughs> and, and, and similarly with, with someone like uh, Polly or, or with Monoconzern even, both of them are very much dipping their toes into reverie. And so while their themes are based in this sort of physical instrument reality, for Polly, it's the piano, and for Monoconcern, um, it's this Rhodes piano. <laughs> um, they get affected and, and distorted in, in different ways as they kind of cross over with, with Reverie. So there's, you know, there's sort of the intentions of, of, of separating the two, but in the course of scoring the soundtrack, you know, it really revealed itself of just how much I needed to cross over those worlds um, than just keeping them completely separate all the time. Yeah, well, it really reflects what's going on with the game then, too. Yes, because, exactly, <laughs> because exactly. there there is that, that crossover. And um, yeah, yeah, you mentioned Chaos. I I thought they were just a, such a fascinating character. Mm -hmm. And that that theme is amazing. And I wondered if you applied any, like, I don't know, randomness to mm. to the, the theme at all or, or the instrumentation. I started that way. Um, <laughs> um, I, it's funny because, like, you know, there, there are certain things that you can do with, like, random number generators or, like, algorithmic approaches to, to writing music and stuff. And, and I definitely, I wanted to kind of go in that direction for chaos. Like, I really wanted to kind of push the envelope in terms of, like, uh, how much how off kilter their theme felt compared to everyone else's. Um, but as I kept going, like I, I realized that if I was to make this completely 
fully chaotic. <laughs> you know, um, it would have a very difficult time fitting in with the rest of the music. Um, so I, I did. I kind of pulled back a little bit at the very least, and I. But I made it very polyrhythmic. I made. I, there was a lot of kind of math rock inspirations. There's a lot of you know sort of added notes, subtracted notes in. Uh, the, the time signatures as it plays out. So, so there's some, there's definitely a lot of sort of off kilterness and chaotic nature to it. Um, but really, just kind of leaning into that jazz fusion style and really just kind of have, playing playing with the form and playing with what it feels like rather than what the structure should be. very much about chaos's character of 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 taking things as they come and being sporadic and like you know really just kind of rolling with what you're feeling in the moment um and so and so as i was writing the theme it was the 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 sections of it don't make a lot of sense you know from just like a a logical standpoint where it's just kind of like it's going from this really weird like uh combination of four four and seven eight in the intro and just going in fourths and then it kind of like goes settles into a little groove in four and kind of like plays this little sort of free uh solo on top of the chord changes and then it goes into some like some other weird thing and there's like a uh, a mellotron synth that is playing some like uh marimba samples in there <laughs> to kind of call back to like you know chaos's theme is kind of they've got a little bit of a skeleton feel to their like face paint and stuff so i wanted to get a little sort of like cartoony like skeleton marimba kind of thing going on <laughs> in there and then it just goes into this just kind of math rock like changing you know uh, time signatures dropping beats and stuff and the very you know end of it and uh yeah it's just a lot of fun to, <laughs> to write um, an unpredictable theme
Yeah, I bet. Well, it kind of struck me as being sort of like free jazz, too, because when you're listening to, you know, a combo, you you don't know what's going to come next. And so it's that same feel. Ultimately, I would have loved to make it even more random and like actually like, you know, construct a algorithm that that plays back sections of music randomly. Um, But that would have been a a whole lot more work than uh, (laughs) than we signed up for. (laughs) Well, sure. And you've got, you know, deadlines looming and that kind of thing. (laughs) The aspiration is there. but Right. (laughs) Once again, again. yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you mentioned, um, you know, acoustic instruments or maybe more recognizable instruments that you used for brittle. And you worked with this incredible violinist. Michaela Noctigal. Uh, how how did you guys like get connected and and collaborate? Um, we've we've been collaborating for for years now. Um, she originally, the first thing that we worked on was the expansion to Celeste Farewell, um, and she was the featured violinist and violist in that uh, soundtrack. An incredible job on that. And then she was also uh, the primary violinist on Chicory uh, as and one of the violin soloists in Moonglow Bay, and also in my solo album, One Knowing. So we've, we've done a, a ton of stuff together. So uh, when I was like, I really want to record live violin for, for Laszlo's theme, uh, one of the main characters in Brittle, um, I basically was like, I don't have a whole lot of time to turn this around. Like, are you available? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And so we just made it work out and did an incredible job. Um, on the various themes uh, that she played on. Well, it, it's a nice foil to all of the, the synth sounds, and it, it yeah. really stands out. And Laszlo's Bar is mm. one of my very, very favorite tracks. And that whole scene, the way it plays out, is just so touching and so just heartfelt with Laszlo and Nora and Polly. And um, I'd love to know, you know how, how you put that mm. track together. Yeah, it was it was something that kind of it came out of a, a result of really needing like brittle itself conceptually, like all the characters there really needed an anchor. They needed a rock to kind of solidify them in place. And and as I played through the game, I realized Laszlo is that character. Laszlo is very much the sort of the the rock of that of that group, and and a very sympathetic character, despite you know my you know my sort of knee-jerk response to a character like Laszlo. Like, he's he's very much a middle-aged white man, you know? He's, he's just, you know, that guy. But as you get to know him and come to, you know, see his worldview, see his approach to the characters and his family and all the people around him, like, he is just a really wonderful, loving man. Um, and and this sort of this this rock of, of, the, of the group of characters in Brittle. And so I really wanted to create this theme that sort of epitomized what Brittle's sound was all about. And so that was that was Laszlo's bar. That was sort of like the space that I felt like was sort of the the home base for for the Brittle characters in, in a sense of just like this is where everyone kind of comes to the table and is lays their feelings out. And so so really kind of making this almost mournful kind of 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 uh, sound to it because the the brittle that you that you arrive in the the brittle that you're sort of experiencing the the turmoil of as you're playing the game is one of oppression you know they are very much being oppressed by this corporation um and in a much more overt way than than you know 
you know, we normally <laughs> get to see in media. Um, and, uh, and it was a very genuine, <laughs> very genuine way. Um, and, and so, you know, you approach the scene and Laszlo is, is really wrestling with his emotions of, of you know, uh, his partner being, you know, missing and, and, and has no idea how to deal with it and how to deal with his emotions and all of this stuff. And so it's, it's a very complicated scene and a very complicated theme to write because you really want to capture all of that and introduce a character in a way that helps you immediately connect with him. Because that was, that's one of the struggles of, of a character like Laszlo is you really, you need a reason to care. Um, and I was hoping that the theme that I wrote for, for that scene and for that character would, would really sort of bring you in and really sort of give you that warm hug kind of feeling. <laughs> Thank you.
Yeah, no, I totally did. And if I lived there, I'd be at Laszlo's bar every night because it just <laughs> it seems like such a, a comfortable place to be, really. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that um, Olivier told me when yeah. he was working on uh, Remember Me was how much he appreciated the the freedom and and the way that the developers at Don't Nod were just willing to take chances with the music. Oh, yeah. And so I'm wondering what your experience of, of working with them was like. Oh, it was fantastic. Um, I pretty much felt 100% supported, you know, the entire way. Um, and, you know, just, <laughs> I, I have, you know, a way that I like to write music and um, they, you know, pretty much just gave me free reign to experiment and to present things um, to the team um, and just be genuine to to myself, to my voice. And um, yeah, it, it was an incredible collaboration, I think. Um, I feel, you know, really happy about how it all came together so yeah nothing nothing but positive vibes here. <laughs> yeah that's so great I mean that's the kind of experience everybody wants to have when oh, yeah. working on a soundtrack and oh, yeah. I'm wondering dream. <laughs> yeah, of course and and I'm wondering you know what working on this project gave you a chance to try or a chance mm. to explore that you hadn't been able to do before I mean really it was getting a chance to explore so many like you know, interesting combinations of instruments. Um, you're really getting back to some of my, my synth roots because um, I'd done two soundtracks previously, um, the one for Chicory and the one for Moonglow Bay. They were both, you know, um, very live instrument heavy, um, which is great. I love that. You know, that is, that is 100%, you know, something I love writing. Um, but it was wonderful after those to really kind of go back into the, you know, <laughs> headphones on just really in the depths of my computer and just you know experimenting with sounds and experimenting with um ways to process uh synth signals and and you know doing a lot of like new production techniques for myself um and a big one actually two big ones yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one right after the other um one this is actually the first game that i've scored that had voice acting um, wow. So that was a unique challenge. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like learning learning how to write music that is, you know, what, easy to mix uh, vocals, or not vocals, uh, you know, voice <laughs> into, um, and that, you know, can get out of the way when it needs to. Um, uh, one thing that we did with the actual, like, um, dynamic implementation of the music is that the most of the themes when they play, um, they start with a melody, um, but then on every subsequent loop through, the melody actually drops out and just becomes sort of the backing instruments so that the the voiceover can really kind of just take over. You know, you, you get the, the initial like statement of the melody and, you know, you keep that with you, but then you kind of just have like this sort of like vamp, you know, this kind of this riff that's going while the rest of the, the voiceover is sort of carrying the emotion of the scene. And then we can bring it back in if we need to. So even without like restarting the piece, so we can be like, okay, on this loop, we're going to put the melody back in. Um, so that we're able to do these things where, you know, we chill on the melody for a bit. You don't need to hear it constantly. But then when we really want to sort of drive home that emotional hit again, we can bring the melody back in um, and let it sort of, you know, take over um, from, the, from the VO. And then the second thing is that 
I was able to uh, score a picture um, for the animated cutscenes, which was also a first for me. Um, I I've I've scored like little tiny cutscenes here and there, just like a little like in-game sort of sequences where like oh you beat the boss and now it's kind of like limping away and you know <laughs> the music's playing you out, you know that that kind of thing, you know. Um, but it wasn't like a full-on animated cutscene, and so there was like about seven or eight minutes of animation throughout the game that I was able to just directly scored a picture and like, you know, there, there's a lot of game composers out there that like sort of, they, they cross worlds, you know, they, they go from video games to film, to TV, to video games, etc. Um, I don't, I've not had that opportunity. I've pretty much worked solely within games. Um, so, so I've not had an experience of, of scoring a picture until now. Um, and so it was fantastic to be able to actually like, to, to feel like I was scoring, you know, this, you know, uh, an anime. It wasn't you know, like a full like episode of an animated series or anything, but it was definitely like you know, getting close. You know, an, you know, scoring a minute of animation for this one very poignant scene in the game, um, and bringing all of that thematic material with me while I was scoring. It almost you know once once I really settled into like the language that I wanted to use for the for the cinematic score. It almost wrote itself because I had written all the themes before I had actually gotten a chance to to write any of the cutscene music. So I was just able to okay, I'm gonna bring in this theme and this, and then it's gonna segue into this light motif and all this stuff. And so it was like this really fantastic experience and feeling so satisfied with it <laughs> when I was like kind of scared of like, oh no, I've never done this before. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure the learning curve is is really really steep, but also, <laughs> I mean, one of the satisfying things about it must be that you know it's going to stay the way it is and yeah. it's not going to get like cut up and and jumbled and layered and stuff because of what the player is doing. So. Yeah, in in a way it was it was kind of freeing in that respect is like I've I've spent my entire career concerned about what the player's doing. And for the cutscenes, I was like, I don't care. I don't have to care. Like, <laughs> it's just going to sound like this no matter what, every single time. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, the cutscenes are, are really cool. I love the cutscene when uh, Polly discovers chaos. Oh, that one yeah. is just like the, the sense of motion and the mm. speed is, is just incredible. So That was a really fun one because I got to incorporate a ton of different themes into that one. And specifically, um, there's, I won't spoil who the characters are in case you want to play through and be surprised, but there are two characters that come together in the end of that cutscene. <laughs> and I got to write, you know, a one-off theme that is sort of a combination of both of these characters' themes. Um, and I thought it was a really fun sort of exercise in, in sort of taking two very contrasting themes and putting them together and having it be the sort of this new theme that is like a hybrid of the two.
that wasn't even the last time that I did that in the score. So a lot of experimentation with uh, combining themes uh, for various characters. That's really cool. I mean, were you able to pretty much stick with writing the music chronologically for the story of the game, or did you have to sort of jump around as sections of it were ready to go? It was mostly chronological. Um, the 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 degree of, of sort of finishedness um, definitely kept me you know, on a chronological pace as we went through. Um, so uh, for for myself and, and Yannick, as we were working through, you know, placing what music was going to go where, we kind of worked chrono- chronologically through the game. Um, but I didn't write everything chronologically because I did have a whole lot of like material that I'd written before we even decided where I was going to go in the game. Um, and so actually one of the very last pieces that plays in the game during the last sort of gameplay section in the augural, um, there's this really just long, multi, multi, multi-layered piece of music that plays as I guess I've become gradually known for is I always love to do a good finale Um, (laughs) and so similarly Harmony has a very uh, very layered and very complicated uh, finale piece that uh, that plays depending on all of your choices that you've made throughout the game which is a terrifying uh, prospect but um, somehow made it work Um, but the the piece that plays during that that was actually one of the first pieces that I wrote for the game and we hadn't actually found a place for it yet so I had written this piece of music originally intended for the beginning of the game because the the way that I was approaching the music is um, the the music originally started as this kind of like, almost like a, a musical equivalent of the Big Bang. Oh, wow. <laughs> if you want to make like a, a really obscure analogy. But like this piece of music basically starts with a single note. And so that was kind of like my idea of like the origins of of the universe, in a way, the origins of of Reverie as this one little single sine wave. And so like the very basic building blocks of sound playing one single note. And so that was kind of like my my origin point for the entire soundtrack originally was this one single note. And then it became an interval and then it became a chord and then it became multiple instruments. And so it was this sort of like this this perpetually growing score that kind of came out of you know this single sine wave and I was like conceptually this is fantastic but it didn't really fit the actual beginning of the game anymore (laughs) so we kind of we we put that on the back burner we kind of shelved it for a bit and then when we went back to the finale and we're like what are we going to put in the finale (laughs) and I was like oh you know it was actually Yannick that that suggested it um the other director and he was like going back through the stuff that I that I had already written and um, he he brought out the piece of music and I was like, oh, this would be actually perfect to to start the finale. And I was like, oh, you're right, actually. And so I took that original piece of music that I had written three years prior and then I finished it, basically. <laughs> so I had taken a very old piece of music and then just kind of brought it back into my, my, my current uh, compositional uh, approach where I was, you know, three years after I'd started it.
Three years must yeah. be like a lifetime. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd released two games in that period of time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just <laughs> mentally, but also like technically, I think. Yeah. So yeah. much has happened and changed. And so that that is, that is really <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, yeah well, a little, little fun fact for, for, yeah. for that piece of music. <laughs> well, speaking of things that players can't really mess with is the soundtrack. And so I'm wondering... You know, what What were some of the challenges of putting the soundtrack together? It's out now on Bandcamp and all the streaming services and everything. But mm-hmm. to compile all of the music that you wrote and little stems and, and things like that, I mean, putting the soundtrack together must have been kind of an epic project, too. Yeah, it, it definitely, um, I mean, a lot of soundtracks that I've worked on that are very dynamic are always like this sort of process of almost composing a second version of the same piece of music uh, for the soundtrack because when you have loops and, and layers and all this stuff that is sort of forming the the material that you're playing with in a dynamic track, you know, how, how do you present that, you know, in a soundtrack? How do you present that in a linear form? So a lot of it really became arranging those, those stems and, and creating structure out of them. And it's actually interesting because sometimes a lot of the pieces I actually started as like a through composed piece then I deconstructed it into layers. And then when it came back to doing it for the soundtrack, I actually reconstructed it sort of, but not the same. It was almost kind of like a, a Theseus ship kind of situation where like I had taken all the pieces and I had completely you know, disassembled them. And well, actually no, not entirely Theseus ship because then I'd have put different parts. Anyways, complicated <laughs> metaphor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but it was like okay here here's a better analogy you know you've got a piece of ikea furniture 
you assemble it, <laughs> you move you move apartments, you disassemble it entirely, and then you reconstruct it. But then you realize that you actually wanted to put like an additional wing on it or something. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> so in the course of reconstructing this furniture that is actually a piece of music. Um, <laughs> um, so in the course of reconstructing it, um, you know, I realized like, okay, there's all these other layers that I had written that I'd not initially written for the three composed piece of music that I wanted to still put into the soundtrack version. So for something like... Um, Hanging on to something is, is a track that is about six minutes of music when it is on the soundtrack, um, because originally it was just sort of the first part of the loop, and it was you know establishing all of the instruments and the themes and stuff. Um, but then by the time by the time we had implemented it in the game, there was a whole bunch of other like alternative um, alternative stems that I still wanted to put in the soundtrack version to reiterate. Um, and so I basically just made an even longer sort of elongated version of the piece that goes into those stems, because I think it's an interesting, you know, sort of evolution to see how it goes through all those different elements and how it ends the way it does.
it's such an amazing story of the game in in the soundtrack you've really kind of followed the story arc with the soundtrack too which is really great and are there things that you've discovered you can do like new things you've learned like writing for cutscenes um <laughs> that you're yeah. going to be able to use in in projects going forward do you think um yeah absolutely um the i think yeah pri primarily you know writing writing to picture like that's something that really energized me that really kind of gave me this spark to, to really want to do more of that um, and you know for longer projects and for for more things and so so maybe that'll inform you know what kind of projects I take on on next um, you know I'm full up as it is but you know <laughs> as you know um, but uh, but yeah it really kind of gave me that um, that experience that it, like oh I can do this sort of thing I, I can I can put my my compositional skills towards this kind of music that, that I had not thought that I could do before and uh similarly like it's 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 so sort of like ingrained into just how the soundtrack sounds but the mixing techniques that I was using you know I, I try to teach myself more about production technique and and about um uh to really just be be a better you know uh engineer and better mixer for my own work um, and a lot of that, I think, is is something that you can hear in the soundtrack, both in the game and also in the um, the, the soundtrack release. Because um, I I work with a, a mastering engineer, uh, Jack Galindo, who's incredible, incredible at what she does. Um, but but you know, it's one of those things where like. I always like feel kind of like uneasy about my own mixing abilities and stuff. And so, <laughs> so I really wanted to, you know, with something that it was especially like so much an extension of myself. Like I, I, I didn't work with a lot of external instrumentalists um, on the soundtrack. It was a lot of just me in the studio working. And so I really wanted to hone my sound to really kind of make it sound as polished and as, as professional, you know, yeah. <laughs> as possible, you know, oh, I've been a professional for for years, but like you know, I always want to like, you know, to level up my sound. You know, I want to sure. be able to 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 feel better about you know my production skills. So so that was something I, I definitely got to to experiment on more with in this release, and I'm very happy with now. Yeah, well, just the whole package is just so amazing, and and your music just supports this game and kind of amplifies it so well, and. It's just been a joy to listen to and a joy to, to talk with you about it. And I, yeah. I hope we get a chance to talk again soon because it's been really fun. Absolutely. Yeah. We just uh, announced a new game. So who knows? Next year, there's going to be a couple of things coming out. <laughs> okay, fantastic. I can't wait to hear them. So thanks yeah. again, Lena. It's been really fun. Thanks so much, Kate.